ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diane Time is here. That's right, we're talking about Freddy versus Jason on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet, it's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from both Camp Crystal Lake. 1428 Elm Street, this is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. Now we're going to unpack all the goriest of details of Friday, uh, Friday, Freddy, fuck, what is the name of this movie again? Freddy versus Jason, in the hopes that uh, an, uh, a teen's untimely end is just the start of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, uh, there's only one person I trust that if my uh, dickhead boyfriend dies, she will make sure I get to that corn rave. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I've got my candy necklace. I have uh-huh. got my cat in a hat hat. I'm ready to, part- <laughs> I'm ready to partay. Now, do you have a glow stick that is not glowing because it appears you were instructed not to crack it open? I'm covered in glow sticks. <laughs> I, I just have them just hanging off of me. I uh, It's a personal revelation here. This uh, particular rave was exactly like all the ones that I uh, attended in that I was overdressed with too many clothes and also no sex happened. A so, lot of, of cornfields in the Los Angeles area, Patrick? <laughs> the cornfield is really the only difference, but that's like background. I mean, basically the, this cornfield's in a warehouse and I went to raves in warehouses. There's no difference. Went to raves? <laughs> <laughs> I went to dance, Gina. I like to move my body. Don't shame me. I, I, like I, to I get I down miss, with rhythms. I, I my clubbing era peaked in the mid '90s, so I missed out on rave culture. Well, this is—I mean, I don't know that I was going to raves at this exact time. I, I would say that mine peaked right before I went to Japan. But there was a time in my life where I really enjoyed dancing and got a lot out of it, and this was a place that you could do that, and supposedly. You would rub up against women, and that never happened either. So, well, this, you you clearly just did not take enough ecstasy. No, I can tell you that right now, I did not take enough ecstasy. And speaking of not taking enough ecstasy, I don't want to alarm you, Gina. We are not alone. That's right. We have two very special guests once again for our monster mash of Freddy versus Jason. It is from the their podcast, The Horror Queers, our old pals and returning champions, Joe Lipset and Trace Thurman. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Oh my God, that was a high-ass pitch. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> Are you channeling Mona Keenan? Mona Keenan? Monica? Monica? Monica. She actually does talk the whole movie like, Dad, I'm... Like, honestly, she's on ecstasy for this entire movie. I think, she is. She is I think, blanked out. I think when I'm rolling, like, that's probably what I sound like. You know, I, like, have a cigarette in my hand, and I'm like, guys, oh my God, how are you? It's so good to talk to you. Let's All I want to do is go to school and meet my friends. I got to get out of the house. My hair is still wet. I don't know why. <laughs> and I'm just off to the side saying, Trace, coffee, it's 
It's your friend. Make friends with it. <laughs> I, I will tell you right now, none of these kids seem to think cocaine is an option. And that is a really, like, <laughs> I, it really, like, I was watching and I was like, this is an R-rated movie. Why, why, why don't they use cocaine? Because coffee does not make me, like, stay up. Like, I mean, at a certain point, my tiredness will take over and I will pass out. Cocaine will not do that. Cocaine will keep you awake. So these kids just don't have the right resources. No, I, I, for whatever reason, Springwood is not in the sort of cocaine train of America. It's not, <laughs> the lines aren't laid down there. Yeah, no, they, they like their drugs prescription level. <laughs> <laughs> they like them made up, unexplained, injected straight into their ass. This ground is how up, they do, do drugs. Over ground there. up into their children's juice. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> Drink a juice, Shelby. <laughs> Literally all I could think of that entire <laughs> So, guys, um, Freddy versus Jason. It was supposedly an event that we all couldn't get enough of. And we all ran to the theater to see. Uh, what about you two? What was your first experience uh, with FVJ, Trace? So, I was... 14 when this came out and i was not yet allowed to go see r-rated movies um i God remember damn it, I gina we're so fucking <laughs> i know i know <laughs> i was a wee oh wait this is august of 03 so yeah i was a freshman in high school i was my first year of high school i remember my mom told me she was like well i was gonna let you go see it um because i figured well it's just two guys killing each other but then there was an article in the houston chronicle like that week it came out talking about how it was a hard r and it was the first time like i had ever heard of the term hard r and it was talking about how bloody it was and how much sex there was and nudity and blah 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 and my mom was like then i read that article and i was like oh he can't go see that yet so i actually <laughs> didn't see this movie until it was on dvd because before i came out i was dating this girl and yeah. i i, I <laughs> Everyone leaned into their microphone and put their fist underneath their chin. I don't because this is an audio medium, but I promise you it all happened. Please go on. So, yes. So I was like, she, she we never had sex, by the way. I feel so bad for her. Um, I, think, I think that's probably why she broke up with me, to be honest. But anyway, so, yes, uh, she bought me. So one day I was, it was my birthday. So it was my birthday of 04. Uh, and I opened my locker one day and there were two DVDs and one was Final Destination 2 and one was Freddy versus Jason. Oh my and God, you should have married this girl. I, I know, I know. So these were the only two like R-rated horror movies that I own. Like my mom let me watch things like The Patriot because it was historical, <laughs> which, <laughs> and what a history lesson it is. <laughs> I know. So me, Trace, like for some reason, my mom didn't seem to care because I guess I already had the DVD. So she was like, well, I can't take him away. Cause I'm, you know, 15 by that point. Uh -huh. And I watched Freddy versus Jason and final destination two, probably once a week, both of them sometimes more than once a week. So I've actually seen this movie a crap ton to the point where I never want to watch it again, except for this podcast. <laughs> but both movies seem to be um, like, there's, there's so much Canada there that there's like a, uh, like moose head going through everyone's veins. <laughs> It's just, they're both full of Henleys and uh, heavier than you think leather jackets. Uh, it's so true. I know every single person in this cast. I was going to say, I think Joe can speak to that better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, as, as a native of America's hat, uh, what was your first experience with Freddy versus Jason? 
Well, sadly, Patrick, I was one of those idiots who was very excited for this movie. So I was definitely <laughs> the ass in seat on opening weekend. <laughs> uh, I think that's most people like in the horror community, though. I don't think I don't think any horror fans were like, man, I'm not going to go see that. That looks stupid. Everyone wanted to see this movie. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's a lot of build up to it. And it sounds like stupid fun. Again, it, does, yeah. it sounds like that. <laughs> I mean, because this is Ronnie Yu. So do you want to rewatch this or do you want to rewatch Bride of Chucky? And oh. I'm going to say, I'm going to rewatch Bride of Chucky. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, yes. Yeah, for sure. Although this feels like a spiritual sequel. Yeah. Bride of Chucky was one of two good movies Universal released in that year of 1998. I know because I sat through all of them. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> It is a very good film. So my expectations for this film were also very high. Did they meet them? Uh, <laughs> has the story changed? <laughs> <laughs> um, I listen, it's I, I would put it in the innocuous category. I think it's trying really hard. I I honestly feel like that it is. It's it's not like some of them are like, oh, here's one of these. They're legit trying. Their batting average is low, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't have its appeal. It's just not what I would go to necessarily uh, when I'm looking for either one of these franchises. Yeah, that's fair. I think I, I, I can't believe I didn't think to mention this, and y'all can cut this out if you want, but um, I, I actually did get to interview the writers of this film. Um, oh, my God. It's Damien Shannon and Marcus Swift, I think are their names. Um I had to have like a really long editorial for them, but discussing, I think it's called like hockey mask and knife fingers or something. And it was like the true story of Freddie versus Jason. And yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So y'all can go find that. If you want to read that shit, I I, should have like read it to reference for this, but I I didn't. So I was going to say, wait a plug and then leave us dangling with nothing. (laughs) I don't know. It's there. I, I got to ask them about the faggot line, but that's not our episode. So we'll have to, do that next time. Well, we might as well bring this to bear. So what was their interpretation of these events? Because I think I know what, what they're going to say. And I wonder about it. Uh, we're talking about the, the faggot thing. Yes. Uh, yeah. The ad living on Kelly Rowland's part. Like that seems to be the, the basic gist um, that she just said it and no one cut it out. See, that's one of um, it was. They they maintained that it was not in the script at all. Mm -hmm. So, well, I would like to see that script. Here's the deal: (laughs) it's like a whiteout section. In in the time since I first heard them recount that story, I often am reminded of what happened to Janet Jackson post. The Super Bowl. I was yeah. about to say that. Where someone's actions that everyone knows about, it suddenly be all gets heaped on their plate. Mm-hmm. Now, Kelly Rowland isn't, can I believe that that's possible? Of course I can believe it's possible. But also, Kelly Rowland isn't solely responsible for the content of Freddy versus Jason. And absolutely everyone saw that line recorded maybe multiple times yeah. and never said to themselves, this is going to come back back to bite us in the ass. We should have safety. We should have a different line. We should see what people's reactions are. Yeah. So 
I did pull the quote. So their exact quote is, all we can tell you is we didn't write it and we were really shocked when we heard it in the movie. We complained about it after the first screening, but it was never changed. It's a real stain on the movie, in our opinion. Mm. Well, they got that right. I mean, (laughs) they do have it right. They've managed to pull their own ass out of the fire, but I wonder who they're leaving behind in the flames. That's an explanation. It's not an excuse. I would more like to throw it on the big wigs of New Line Cinema mm. because yeah. they are much more to blame that it's one thing to have filmed it and it's another thing to uh, assemble it into an edit and it's another thing not to go, we have to have something better than this, right? I, I think it's very indicative of the time though. Um, and I'm Because, you know, we've gone through our 80s nostalgia. We're kind of leaving it. We're going into 90s nostalgia. I don't see people really wanting to go through 2000s nostalgia. I don't th- I don't see that being a thing. No, we and- already we, we already talked about the, the just the clothes alone in this are <laughs> oh just God. like They're so dear great. God. <laughs> it's something. Everything is so low rise and so uh weirdly clingy and see-through to no effect. Mm-hmm. And you know, these people were probably never in better shape. And they're not helped by it at all. It's also strangely baggy and ill-fitting on a lot of the guys. Like, Well, the stoners. We're moving into the period where the, the girls' clothing is getting tighter and more revealing again. Like, we're leading up to Jessica Biel in, you know, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ooh, yeah. But the guys are still very <laughs> firmly in late 90s wear, where it's like like Junko jeans and little fitting jackets. <laughs> and like the, the like bowling shirts that are like two sizes too big for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody looks like they have body dysmorphic disorder. Which they probably do. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're actors. So. It was the I early mean, 2000s in Canada. That's all we had. <laughs> it's a plot point for Kelly Rowland's character in this film for this 20 minute segment we're about to discuss. And then not after that. Like she's wearing too big a nose and she needs to dial it back. <laughs> yeah. She got body dysmorphia. <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, that brings us to who is still left alive at this portion of the movie. The answer is almost everyone, uh, with the exception of some wheat uh, for the chaff. Uh, first off, we have Lori, whose wet hair, blank stare, don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have Kia whose body is by Destiny's Child and clothes provided by Chico's. She she uh, she has one personality trait, and that mm-hmm. is impatient. <laughs> she of- would like things to move along. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I mean, you know what? She's, she's the director of pacing for this movie, and I respect that. You know what? She's the Gail Weathers of this movie, and she's got the screen Ooh. two color scheme to prove it. Oh, my God. <laughs> she so does. Oh, my God. The ombre is strong <laughs> about with this one. Six years too late. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it was that too late for the scene that she was actually in. Right. What in hmm. terms of what R and B singers were wearing at the time and how they were styled? I, her clothes are fucking out to lunch. I don't know what's going on there. She looks literally like she has shopped in a town. Outside of Springwood entirely versus everyone else. But she's also like the only woman of color in this entire school. Yes. Yes. Like, so maybe, maybe she is taking a a trip to the city so that she can get some different fashion. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my God. I can only imagine what the city is. Um, <laughs> Where are we? That's what I want to know in this movie. <laughs> we're in Springwood, Canada, California, Ohio. <laughs> with cornfields. <laughs> with, with the cornfields. Um, with, with a perfectly like play, like a uh, carved out crop circle also. I don't know how they, listen, did a UFO land there previous <laughs> and they're just using the spot? Who can say for certain? People have driven out into the middle of this cornfield and just left their cars there for people to sit on. Again, I don't understand how this works because uh, I just don't let people sit on my fucking car. Does it matter? So is this a movie where something like that you're going to be like, that doesn't make a lot of sense or are there bigger things that don't make sense that maybe supersede that? Yes, there are bigger things that don't make sense, but welcome to the kill by kill podcast where all the things that don't make sense are mentioned as if they all are a problem. Right. That's, that's what I was going to say, you know, just watching the movies the way we do for this. Yeah. You do kind of hone in on, you know, where did this cornfield come from? (laughs) I mean, it it doesn't matter. Not really, but but now I'm really focused on where is this cornfield? I, I, I totally get that. I, I think I'm in horror queers mode still. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let, let's it, it's not ruining my enjoy, i mean well quote unquote he, he's not bothered by the it. film yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let me let me let me take a second to like get bothered by it and i'll jump into it. i'll jump back in <laughs> well let's uh let's talk about the first thing that bothered me uh let's jump right back into this movie uh we're gonna start at the weston hills sanitarium for kids who don't sleep good and want to do other things good <laughs> oh, i have a lot to say about this uh this set design <laughs> go on it's um, baby one flew over the cuckoo's nest i i mean it looks like it was filmed in someone's rec room <laughs> there, you know there's a it's, there's a pool table there there's some tasteful lamps mm-hmm. it, it, it does not look like a a day room for a psychiatric hospital it, you know it, it looks like it looks like a club room in some sort of you know fancy restaurant it might be a tv set like for a sitcom that's true. Yeah, it, it looks like a living room. <laughs> it, lo- it looks like a themed queue for a sanitarium themed ride at a theme park. It's now an escape room. <laughs> exactly. We are not. We are definitely not there yet. This is two thousand fucking three. <laughs> They're all wearing matching sweatsuits. Wait, this movie mm-hmm. predicted escape rooms. <laughs> exactly. Which, which is which is puzzling because I don't think that you're not in jail. Psychiatric hospitals generally let you wear your own pajamas. So I don't know I, what's with the the matching sweatsuits. Yeah, this is giving me Terminator 2 vibes. Like, I half expected mm. Linda Hamilton to come running around a corner and grab one of the guy's keychains off. Well, this movie is exceptionally blue, so that's helping. And, and, this- and also, they, they've been keeping these people, these children, in this psychiatric hospital for four that, years. That, <laughs> that, that is what has always bothered me. Because I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Because supposedly Jason Ritter, is it Mark? Mark, right? Will. Yeah. Will. Fuck. Mark Will. is the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Will is here because he saw maybe Lori's dad killing her mom. Yes. And because of that, they're able to put him in this place and not let him leave, not let anyone contact him, and not let his communication get out for four years. Mm-hmm. And they apparently told none of the teenagers because no one knows where they've gone, but all of the adults seem to know. So this is a conspiracy vaster than anything we ever saw in a Nightmare on Elm Street film before. 
Yeah, and again, it doesn't it, it doesn't make any sense. The 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 <laughs> the logic behind why they're going to all this trouble, it actually makes less sense than in the, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake where you 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 discover that the parents force their children to stop remembering something, which is <laughs> that's not how repressed memories work. Well, no, no, no. What they Oh, yeah, that oh. They just use hypnocell. That well they use hypnocell. Oh, no. I wrote in my notes exposition because there's so much spoken exposition in this scene it is insane this whole movie is full of it i mean we haven't even reached the section in which Lori sits down on the couch and goes freddie died by fire jason by water how can we use that don't that's a first draft idea don't have a, a character just sit down and go how can we use chekhov's gun in this situation don't Oh my it's a God! Show don't tell movie. Come on, come on. <laughs> this is a tell movie. This movie loves to tell. Okay, but I do have one observation. I really want to talk about Kurt the Checkers guy. Oh, what? Let's well, yes, we absolutely let's get let's introduce uh, who we're talking about first. Uh, we meet uh, Mark uh, at first, and he looks like a, a sentient Chucky dolls. But well, actually, that's the uh, description for Chucky. So it's a guy who looks like Chucky. And then, holy fuck, that's what Jason Ritter used to look like? Yeah. Uh, Jason Ritter is playing Will, a guy who's perpetually doe-eyed. I think both Jason Ritter and I think it's Brendan Fletcher. Correct. um, Both of them are adorable. And I love them. They're so cute. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, Brendan Fletcher is rocking that late 90s, early 2000s hairstyle for men where it's like, we're not quite doing boy band shading, but it's definitely got a touch of bleach in there, like a sun kiss. Now, (laughs) I will tell you that I actually do think that Fletcher is legitimately decent in this movie. Oh, Oh, he's acting. He knows exactly the movie (laughs) he wants to be in, and he is acting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With a capital A, and maybe an I, and quite possibly a G. (laughs) Yeah, Jason Ritter's not faring quite so well but he does look like he was softly animated by disney <laughs> he looks like he was gently guided to the set like he's <laughs> fragile like he's one of the glass menagerie given life well he's still recovering from bride of chucky <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah that's right he's also in bride of chucky man that's why he's he in like this I'm half canadian sure. wait, how did he end up in all these canadian wait, movies wait, wait wait who's in bride of chucky isn't Jason Ritter in Bride of Chucky? His father, John Ritter, is in yeah, Bride Yeah, John Chucky. Ritter is. Um, Maybe well, that's the connection then. Oh, mm-hmm. quite possibly. Yeah, no, he, Jason Ritter is 100% not in Bride of Chucky. So who's the newlywed guy Yeah, in who's there? the Blando in that one? Someone you yeah. do not know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you, <laughs> um, as soon as my uh, stalling... Uh, wait, wait, did the parents of Elm Street make me... Did they suppress my memories of who the lead is? His name is Nick Stabile. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah you don't know boring. who the fuck that is. I, I recognize the name. <laughs> From Bride of Chucky? Are you thinking of Nick Stahl? Maybe. Maybe the both. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Where is Kurt the Checkers guy? Okay. Well, first of all, we have to point out the 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 insanitarium. Uh, they're watching KRGR which is real low profile way to keep Freddy Krueger's name out of the public eye. Good job, everybody. 
It's like a massive fucking clue whenever you turn on the television. You're telling me they can put people away for four fucking years, but they named the local television station after Freddy Krueger? That's not Krueger, yep. it's Krueger. <laughs> Maybe that was a more Germanic to... pronunciation of it. Yes. Maybe it was supposed to be more like kind of a dreamlike thing, because there are a lot of things in this movie where it's like, they're not really in a dream, but like things seem very dreamlike because they're kind of like, it's almost like that micronap concept in the remake, but they don't ever mention that. The problem with the micronap thing in there isn't that it's a bad idea in the in the remake. It's that everything looks brown and gross. So you never know if this brown and gross is <laughs> non-dream and this brown and gross isn't a dream because they're the same level of brown and gross. Hmm. Yeah. Whereas this <laughs> film is brought to you by the color blue. And not, <laughs> not so much brown. I also did want to point out no. too that we did miss the line whenever he asks what hypnosil is, and the guard mentions that it keeps them nice and docile while he kicks their cute little ass. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed real gay. <laughs> well, considering that then Mark reciprocates by actually showing his bare ass to this doctor um, so. and farting. Yes, uh, audible fart. <sighs> um, let's get to to Kurt the chess guy. Um, we learned <laughs> checkers, checkers. He's, he's, he's a checker person. Yeah. Uh, and luckily for us, I really do. I think one of my favorite realistic lines in this in, entire thing is Mark saying, I'm an Uno guy. Yeah. Who is <laughs> go an- get Uno and I will play Uno with you. It's that little bit of character development though. That really helps this film. Yeah, Uno over checkers any day, any yeah. day. Yes. I think it tells you a lot about Mark as a person when he says that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, later, uh, we go to uh, Mark and Will's room where they seem to have a very big stack of Cosmos magazine. <laughs> when you're crazy for astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> I was very proud of that when I wrote that. <laughs> You should have been. <laughs> kind of reminds me of that line in Buffy where Willow takes the aptitude test and she's like, I got florist. And, she, and then she's like, florist means crazy. I don't want to be that. <laughs> Mark, uh, as we mentioned, flashes his ass and gets tranked, but it's all a ruse, everyone. He manages to steal that main orderly in his very interestingly shaped head. Uh, he steals his badge and his keys, and so Mark and Will are breakout. The boys are back in town. And, and where do they go? They go right to the local high school. <laughs> and how they got there is unexplained, and how they got their van later is unexplained. And how but... they happen to walk up on Lori as soon as she's telling her story is really coincidental. <laughs> but oh, that scene, that, that scene is hilarious. My, my, yes. my favorite part is when she's giving her little speech, everybody stops. And just kind of turns and like just watches her. And and it's like she's about to break into song. No, but she's not (laughs) making a scene though. She's literally just talking and everyone stops to watch her. It is. No, it's almost as if no one in this high school has ever seen a teenage girl cry in a hallway. (laughs) And also everybody at this school is remarkably chill for two of their classmates having just been brutally murdered less than 24 hours earlier. They try to address it when the dad is like, no, uh, you should stay home. And she's like, dad, I just need to go to school. And I'm sleepy, but no, they they kind of do that. But they, why are any of these three girls at school? They literally just know. witnessed a murder. Sure. Okay. So here's my theory. 
the film is a secret scream remake because immediately after this, we get this scene. That's like the original scene around the fountain in scream where they're just sitting around talking about the rationale for the murder and what's happening. And here you've got Kia being like, Oh, they blamed it all on Blake. They're saying that it was some kind of weird murder, suicide. Some uh, kind they said of it was a Columbine thing. <laughs> Which, uh, forget, you know, it's been a while for everyone, but uh, strangely, not a machete-based crime, what happened at Columbine. Well, no I, one at Columbine was folded in half in a cot. I'm not, I'm not a That crew, you know, but, Gina. That you know. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Not for, for a sure. lack of trying, Gina. This, this is four years difference, but is it too soon to be making flippant Columbine remarks like that? It 100% yes. is. It, it really yeah, fucking yeah. is. It still yeah. doesn't work now in 2020. No, you wouldn't do it now, and it, we're better for it, quite frankly. Um, but we did kind of skip over Lori's dad's menacing of her, uh, in which he drugs her orange juice. Mm-hmm. And, like, Joan Fontaine with a glowing glass of milk was more subtle. They, they look I, like they're going to start kissing at one point. It's really weird. No, I am telling you, it is drink your juice, Shelby. That is literally what this is. <laughs> he is Sally Field with her football helmet haircut, and she is <laughs> Julia Roberts by Monica Kina. <laughs> A one-to-one comparison. I think we can all agree about this almost 20 years later. I mean, uh, they've got the same career trajectory, right? Monica Keenan is, <laughs> she's really become the new Julia Roberts, has she not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she lights up the room with her smile. She was in Crystal Lake Memories, that documentary. Yes. Or maybe it was Never Sleep Again. She was in one of, maybe she was in, maybe she needed the money for both. She might have been both. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I apologize. We haven't been able to listen to the first episode of this because we're recording before it's been released. Have you talked about the fact that Monica Keenan was only hired for this movie because of her boobs? Oh, uh, color me intrigued. I'm not like, I'm not actually making that a statement. I'm just suggesting it feels like that's what she's bringing to this film. Why are you obsessed with her boobs? There's definitely, like, when she passes out... Like, there's definitely a very long pan of her laying, you know, knocked out on this, mm-hmm. which if you're if you're unconscious for that long, you need to be in an actual hospital, not in the school nurse's office. Yeah. Usually when people faint, they they, they wake up in like a, in like a couple of minutes. But she's asleep. She's out so long that Kia falls asleep while she's waiting for her to 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 come to. And, you know, the nurse says she does, the nurse doesn't give a shit. She's just sitting there waiting for this girl to wake up. Maybe she'll wake up. Hopefully I'll get to have my lunch but yeah there's <laughs> there's a long shot you know generally focused on her boobs which you can see her bra through her shirt it's it's you know not at all subtle i think do we get oh i guess we get gibbs titties in the first part but that and also, there's also the girl in the opening scene who's meant to be the the friday the 13th victim. yes oh yes. we talked about that those the, those incredible boob job that incredible boob job <laughs> But, yeah. quote unquote Heather but like because th- <laughs> those weren't really Catherine Isabel's boobs right because that was oh, like, that's yeah, a body yeah, yeah. but, but do we well whatever we don't have any boobs in our segment so <laughs> well that's not actually true uh, because when Kia is looking through the oh, magazine of the inexplicable of plastic surgery things we see plastic <laughs> surgery pre-op boobs yeah. for reasons which are just hanging around like did kia bring no. that magazine no no no, no, no no it is a dream i asked the exact same fucking question and i was like why does this school nurse's office <laughs> have plastic surgery magazines but she's dreaming i said 
Fair enough. But so when she wakes up, dreaming of plastic surgery boobs. When she yeah. wakes up, she does have a magazine that she throws on the floor. But I don't know if it's the same magazine. I think it's Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> is the biggest uh, their their biggest market is Springwood, so <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Oh, uh, yeah, her. Oh my God, uh, Monica Keenan's uh, boobs are so front and center and, in this movie. But that Columbine. <laughs> nice but that columbine <laughs> oh dear um the the way that this is probably the most realistic high school we've seen certainly it didn't much matter in friday the 13th movies because they weren't high school films but in mm. nightmare on elm street where we saw lots of different high schools we were never in a a high a hallway that's so fucking crowded mm-hmm no one in this movie was ever instructed to just go about their day or not look directly into the camera. And if they do, don't use that shot. But no, we get a lot of people paying way too much attention to the three people who have lines in the movie. So this is Ronnie Yu's fault, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to believe that, that Ronnie Yu believes that this is adding tension or movement, or uh, some sort of kinetic energy to what is occurring. Oh, I think you're giving him too much credit. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. no. I, I'm, I'm telling you, not, not. I'm not giving him credit. I'm saying I think he just thought this was a dream sequence because he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but he's not. This wasn't the first movie he was handed. No, and, and he's not an inept no. director. No, he, uh, but. Uh, he directs things fine. I'm just saying, I just don't think he fully read this script because he was like, it's Freddy versus Jason. And he just directed things. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think he probably spent a lot of time planning the climax and how they were going to logistically mount all of the pyrotechnics and that kind of stuff. He probably didn't spend too many too many takes on this high school scene. He was like, okay, I hired 25 high school seniors. 50 of them showed up because they found out that they could be in a Hollywood film and it's, you know, fucking Vancouver, Canada. Yeah. And now I've got to try to direct this idiot girl who just keeps staring at the back of Monica Keenan's head. Like she's saying the most fascinating fucking story she's ever heard. (laughs) Well, I got one take. Eh. Evangeline <laughs> Lily looks good, so let's keep her in there. <laughs> well, yeah, this whole thing with the scene is that, like, now Trey was murdered in her house. Let, let, let me let me reiterate: he was folded in half. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot state that enough. The, the circumstances of his death. It's not like he died of an overdose or, or anything, or it's, you know, even if he was just, you know, shot to death, he was folded like a suitcase. Yeah. He got old person <laughs> bedded in half. This, this is yeah. less than 24 hours later. And Gibbs and Kia, Kia in particular are absolutely baffled that, that Lori seems a little upset, a, a little, <laughs> a, a little on edge about things. They, 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 they're, they're, they're they got a Spanish final coming up, Gina. They got to focus. They are absolutely like, what's wrong with this girl? She, why is she crying? We don't, we don't know what's going on. I mean, Kia is a bad friend. Like, Kia yeah. is a yes. very bad friend. Gibbs is fine. Well, she, I think Gibbs is distraught. Like, I think she's okay, actually yeah, suffering from PTSD. Yes. But, like, Kia's over it, and she's like, y'all need to get the, wake the fuck up and just continue with your lives. She's like, <laughs> we've got bigger fish to fry. We've got to deal with Linderman. <laughs> yeah. Um 
Linderman. I, I love him. I, okay, wait. Do y'all? So I've read some people that say that they think that he's kind of creepy and rapey. I really like Linderman. And I think Christopher Marquette's really good. I don't think he's rapey. I don't think he's rapey. I think he's a little, you know, he becomes, you know, he doesn't know how to read the room. Yeah. And he's kind of obnoxious, but I wouldn't say he's rapey. I wouldn't call him. Not, maybe it's because I, I just identify with Linderman a lot. Like, I, I, I was going like, to say, see, you are Linderman, aren't you? I am Linderman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lori, guess what? I got you two R-rated DVDs. I left them in your locker. (laughs) One of them is Final Destination 2. We could watch it after school. I have a soft spot for the nerd. And even though he's not like the male version of glasses and a ponytail, like he's... Just a sweetheart. He just he's just trying really hard. I mean, he's wearing a sweater vest. Like, what more can you ask from this guy? What's the male version of glasses and a ponytail? You know? (laughs) Sweater vest, yes. sweater vest and bringing you a beer yeah linderman's a, a dweeb in the streets and a dork in the sheets um but he's <laughs> well, not we don't the have time weirdest... for data dork right now patrick <clears throat> <That's true. laughs> it's not data dork right now if not now though when <laughs> when uh fucking kia in this scene while they're walking down this hallway shot this walk and talk is waving hi to other people like she's not even engaged in this conversation of someone going i heard something traumatic happen to you in your own home and i'm sorry that that happened and she's like fuck off oh hi jenny talk to you later are we doing homeroom finger guns like she is disengaged from humanity yeah i think she thinks that she was hired on to do the high school part of the movie and, you know, the rest of the horror movie aspect on it was kind of just added later. <laughs> I mean, I confess, I, 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 I'm a little shocked that Kelly Rowland agreed to be in this movie. It doesn't seem like, I mean, not that she's an actress, I mean, but she's fine. Well, she's definitely not an actress. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when, do you think they approached her specifically? Did, did she audition for this movie? Do like, you think they offered it to Beyonce and they got turned down? So they said, let's take Beyonce number two. Is there a, can we get another child of destiny? Oh my God, Michelle Williams is shitting on your face right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Like Michelle wasn't the third member of Destiny's <laughs> child. <laughs> there, there are two additional members people don't even remember of Destiny's Child because they were just jettisoned. Oh, like 100%. they were sitting in the wrong seat in James Bond's car. I feel bad for all the people who went back to watch the state the same my name music video because they heard it in that Candyman trailer and they were like, "Who the fuck are these other bitches in this video?" <laughs> I'm telling you, Dream Girls was not about Diana Ross and the Supremes. Dream Girls was about Destiny's Child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, who is, I am telling you, you won't forget me. I think it's Michelle Williams. Child. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I hate to break it to people. They seem to have moved on just fine. Yeah, they're doing okay. But who's not doing no. okay is Kelly Rowland in this movie. No, no, she is not. And she's not being done any favors. Like, no one is telling her what to do. And I think... <laughs> I think that is a disservice to her. She needs to be told or at least pick up on the context clues of all the other actors in the room. But again, that's not her natural job. So she's like, well, if I'm in a room, if I'm walking down a hallway in high school, I say hi to people. Murder last night. Be damned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a social hierarchy that needs to be maintained here. Speaking of social hierarchies, 
Shaq. This Josh Gad looking motherfucker's name is Shaq. Yep. <laughs> Shaq. And, and who's the Jason Muse clone? Oh my God. He's Ugh. the worst. He's terrible. He's terrible. Just fucking terrible. And is that a wig um, or is that just a really bad hairline? I think it's a hairline, man. <laughs> oh. It's giving away a lot. Man, I don't know, you know what the what? fuck. Going through the cast list and I'm not even fucking finding this guy. Oh, what's his name? Lester Blake the Molester Lawson. or something? No, no. Y'all are being so harsh on these quote unquote actors. I think they are all doing serviceable <laughs> jobs in this film. <laughs> hey, many of these people went on to have very illustrious careers in the Canadian television industry. See, there you go. <laughs> Is it in soap operas? No, actually, it's mostly on CW shows and or police and medical procedurals. Well, there. What is there this are. motherfucker's name? <laughs> this is, I mean, he, I'm looking through IMDb and I am not finding it. Which is, is insane it, because, like, he's a substantial component of the third act of this movie. <laughs> Kyle Labine. Is he part of the Labine acting like Tyler Labine? dynasty? Yes. No, that can't be right. <laughs> Also, uh, Joe, not the third act. He is definitely, I mean, spoiler alert for the next segment, but he's definitely killed before the third act of this movie. He is related to Tyler Labine. He's what? his brother. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that does make sense. Tyler Labine is also Canadian. Freeberg. I mean, that was his name. Freeberg. Night Visions. Um, Twilight Zone. He played teen party guy in Halloween Resurrection the year prior to this. <laughs> When you guys do the Halloween franchise, you can bring this back up then. Oh, can't wait. Oh, my God. Do not bring me on for Halloween Resurrection. I will shit your face. <laughs> <laughs> I already used that know. one. Oh, no. The wine's at the end. They have red wine to celebrate their their uh, cable, their, their, their streaming show. <laughs> I love that. He was on Reaper. This guy's oh, so really fucking Canadian. Wait, wait, wait. He was in the perfect score with Scarlett Johansson and Erica Christensen and Chris Evans. <laughs> I mean, playing what? Background extra number 12? I, maybe. He was he in Scary Stories to cast. Tell in the Dark. He has a whole role there. It says Deputy Hobbs. Matthew Lillard is in that movie? Sorry, I'm going on a program. Okay, you guys have fallen somewhere where I can't see you anymore. Can you please come back to this terrible hallway sequence? Now, this is IMDb Cast Trivia, the podcast. And so we're just going to go in that direction. Okay, we're just changing horses midstream. We're just going to do Six Degrees of Tyler Labine. Would listen. Would listen. Oh, God. Shaq. Anyways, um, did they make so, up these party billets before the deaths or that morning? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, that looks like they put some time into it. Th- those aren't hand colored. They were like an alien landed in the cornfield last weekend. So we're going to have a party. <laughs> Death. We got to take dead. advantage. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. We, we, we rented this crop, this crop circle for this date. We're having it this date. <laughs> we can't postpone it because two of our classmates horribly died. The kegs the are loo- non-refundable. <laughs> That's right. They'll lose their reservation money. All $5 of it. <laughs> um, so uh, both Mark and Will show up here. Of course, um, Mark gives us a ton of backstory oh, Jesus. where he's like, Hey, you know that international team of dead girl jump ropers? Wait. There's a reason for them. Wait, the line, though, 
I, I, every, I could not believe this is the line. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Do you know why they sing that? Because that's when he comes for you. <laughs> Again, first draft. It, it's so nice that they're providing all this exposition for someone that would work, that would watch this movie and have absolutely no knowledge of who Freddy Krueger is. I, know who our target audience for this movie is? Okay. People who have not seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie or a Friday the but 13th movie. Y'all jest, y'all jest, but this movie made $84 million domestically, which is, I think at the time, the highest grossing film of either franchise. Yeah, you're, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, the highest and, grossing until... Friday the 13th movie. And then some, somehow, improbably, the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street was the most successful one in that franchise Holy because shit. people because people have no fucking taste no <laughs> um i okay i'm gonna respectfully say i think you're wrong i think that nightmare only made like 60 million dollars no i made we went through this whole thing last oh yeah y'all it, <laughs> domestic. It, it made it in probably large amount of money well, yes. okay. Oh, worldwide is 150. Yeah. Domestically, it was 63. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so Mark so Barrels Will shows here. up. He's all dewy. Everyone kind of like, oh my God. And then uh, we managed to see uh, Monica Kina faint uh, breast. <laughs> Always yeah, breast uh, awake, but the rest of her fainting into unconsciousness. Uh, then we get a cameo by Principal Me Too. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck you, Robert Shea. Fuck you. Um, so uh, then uh, we go into the nurse's station where we get the typical uh, Friday the 13th hates uh, first responders. So this nurse, <laughs> a total fucking asshole. That's I sign. love her. <laughs> no, the, the, the nurse cannot help you now. Is that what the sign says? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, the nurse can't help you. <laughs> But again, this is a dream. Yeah, but I still love it. Like, when I saw that, even though I implicitly knew that it was a dream, I still thought to myself, I could see that in a nurse's office. (laughs) Especially a Friday the 13th nurse's office, because they hate professionals of of any shape or kind. It's just part and parcel. Nightmare on Elm Street, bad parents. Friday the 13th? First responder in the medical profession, if you're a cop, you're a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. It's just how these two franchises roll. Well, this and nurse is smart. Perfectly. This nurse yes. is smart. She doesn't have any lines whatsoever. She just stares and looks at <laughs> Kelly Rowland like she's an idiot. Yes. Well, apparently, Lynn Shay was busy that <laughs> Wow. <gasps> that would have wow. been so good, though, wouldn't it? It would have. Yeah. I'm all for more Lynn Shay. It's the only member of the Shea family I recognize anymore. Oh, fair, enough. Uh, fair enough. In terms of that denosing. Ooh, oof. that CGI. Ooh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. Ungood yeah. people. It's just it's all weird, caps in my notes. Terrible CGI. But it's weird because there's actually a lot of good practical effects in this movie. Yeah, and, and a lot of bad CGI. Yeah, but but that's what I'm saying though. Why for, this movie had a thirty million dollar budget in 2003, so we're looking at probably like for inflation, fifty million dollars today. The, like, why? Why you could have made that look good? Yeah, I, I, I thought of that with. Um, I know you guys are you guys are um, recapping The Outsider as well. Mm-hmm. Um. And you probably saw the most recent episode. 
at the very end, one of the characters, I don't want to say who, he gets shot in the head. And it's so much fucking CGI. And oh, it's yeah. just like, are you fucking... They couldn't do a fucking well, squib no. for this one. It was on screen for barely, you know, a half a second. I think CGI blood. like that, it's, the it's the worst. The worst. It, it, it is the worst kind of CGI. Um, and, but hey, but what, what do you bet? Because if they did this practically, they would have had to have made a bust of her head. How much you want to bet mm-hmm. Kelly Rowland was like, fuck no. You're not touching this hair. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not putting plaster on my face and breathing through my <laughs> nose into straws. Fuck y'all. Are we just like, I'm sorry, we, am I just blaming Kelly Rowland again? She, she, she created the faggot line. She ruined this fucking effect. <laughs> Jesus I'm, Christ, who else listen, is on your hit list? You going after Janet next? I mean, got it. Monica Kina, honestly. I, I have been a defender of Kina for a long time in this movie and watching just this 20-minute segment. I was like, <gasps> She's what were you thinking? What were you thinking? <laughs> She's terrible. You were nose deep in a glass of wine again. <laughs> but I'm nose. I, I finished my glass now. And I still think she's bad. <laughs> yeah, she's really not good. Were you all surprised, too, that there's a very obvious image when she's lying unconscious on the table? You mm. can see a little image of Freddy behind the frosted glass, but then we don't get a nightmare for her. We get the nightmare for Kia. That yeah, was that yeah. was a trailer shot too, because they used that shot of him behind the glass in the trailer. And I'm wondering if there's maybe there was more to this scene. Because mm. I this movie doesn't feel chopped to bits, but it does feel like there are things that are missing. So I'm wondering if there was more here. Yeah. I didn't have time to look at my That or they were trying to throw an audience off and go, well, she's he's he's coming after her next. So you don't expect the Kia dream. Well, I, I suppose this be the rationale. Behind spoiler it. alert, but apparently the Freddy die by fire, Jason by water line made more sense in the original cut because there was more footage in that scene. But then the way it was mm-hmm. cut, it just made her look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the cut? Is it? Is it her? Is it Is the it script? The Is it the movie? Is it anything? Is it, Is it everything? I don't know. <laughs> Um, uh, then we cut to, uh, Mark and Will and they're debating whether or not this plan was really, really super smart. At the soda machine. Uh, In the school still. (laughs) (laughs) Not moving on. Just like, oh my God, we got to find a Coke and toot sweet. But I love the poster above them that says harassment and violence dot, dot, dot. Not at our school. (laughs) Oh my Save that for the New Line Cinema corporate offices. Wow. Cut to. <laughs> we are going Listen. to get a and d from Robert Shea. Talking dick? <laughs> <laughs> I love C&Ds. <laughs> all of them. Give me all of them. Listen, I'm no expert, but it, it sounds like there's some chewing involved in what's happening here. Is that, is that, listen, I'm not going to get involved. No, I'm, Don't, just yes, yum. I'm just swallowing no, the dicks as we speak. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Does that make it less funny when I like just say it? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely grosser. People oh, may fuck. worry about the the health and safety of your sexual partner. How dare you like try to yuck my yum of blowjobs? That's really <laughs> interesting. I know really, everybody knows that Trace is 
proclivity is really for ribbing. That, yeah. How did we get here? How did we get back <laughs> to Tyler Levine? I, this is what I brought you here to do? Wait, y'all don't talk Basically? about rim jobs on your podcast. We talk about them all the time. By we, I mean I just bring them up all the time. <laughs> it's a part of life, everybody. For some Deal people. with it. But it needs to be a part of more people's lives. I'm a very like rim job like, advocate. and I'm like, everyone, You're an ambassador. Yeah, I mean, shower first, <laughs> but just do it. It's fine. Yeah, like Trace has a giant poster in his house when you first walk in the door. And it just hole. says, rim jobs are welcome in this house. Yes. In this house, we. Stitch into a pillow placed on a couch. Live, love, rim job. For your younger <laughs> listeners, if you don't know what a rim job is, um, Google it. I don't think we have any. I don't think we have any younger listeners. <laughs> oh no, we, we don't we, anymore. <laughs> C and D, baby. <laughs> We make oh, far too many uh, 1982 sitcom references to have a lot of younger listeners. I think um, the kids really like silk stockings, Patrick. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, maybe. You listen, I tried, right? I tried. I tried to educate. Sometimes it's about education. Well, Sometimes people need to be told that Fear No Evil features a Satan in a very lovely gown. Oh, yeah, Trace, that is, like, so on the list, by the way. (laughs) What? Never mind. I'll tell you later. (laughs) Um, Well, if you're worried about losing younger listeners, you're about to lose more because we're about to get a microfish scene in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) At the Springwood Library and Concrete Bomb Shelter. Uh, This is, uh, I mean, listen, it's a lot of concrete for one federal building. Uh, why is this newspaper censoring suspicious deaths? How do you? I'm censor sure there's a, a good reason. Someone well, says, no. "Really? What would be that reason?" I know. And then they go, "How come we were never allowed to call any of our friends?" As if they've never asked that question before. <laughs> Where are their parents when all this is happening? We never uh, meet. That them. is a very good question. You mean that one kid is just there, and they still have the boogie van that that his older brother who um, killed himself with mm-hmm. the blue shag carpet. Wall to wall. Oh yeah, and yes. the heavy metal graphic on the outside. Mwah. I mean that you can't destroy that. That's a work of art. Yeah. This whole thing that that uh, that Mark explains is so beyond any sort of sense <laughs> that I, I'm just it's like like. I'm again blinking white man gif that's just how I am like just watching this whole scene it's like okay so in order to just completely hide the whole Freddy Krueger thing we're going to take some kids who had dreams about about him lock them up in this asylum forever apparently but but it's only them and what's even shitty, and I'll do a tiny spoiler alert for your next segment, but like once all, because Brendan Fletcher is the exposition machine in this movie, the second mm-hmm. he's done and the second that everyone's caught up, he gets killed. So it's like, it, it's really shitty. This is like, <laughs> but this is like a, a conspiracy with the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The police. The, te- the teachers. Yep. The police. The press, which is (laughs) mind-blowing. The local psychiatric hospital. Mm -hmm. Which apparently is run by Lori's dad. Yes. Yeah. A a known murderer. Yes. This is going, that we're going to just lock these kids up indefinitely because we don't want them. them. 
we don't want to mention Freddy Krueger to anyone because for some reason we're just going to pretend he never existed. Well, no, yeah. that is a great fucking segue into this fucking rave scene because it's literally a part where a guy's like, oh, I said Freddy Krueger to my parents and my parents practically shit themselves. So it's out like it. it's it's not a secret anymore. It yeah. literally takes two idiots less than a day to completely reverse <laughs> this vast conspiracy that adults have taken four years to put together. Four years to put together and have and, and so many working parts as now, Gina has just demonstrated. Wait, and how long after Freddy's dead do y'all think this takes place? Oh, I don't think Freddy's dead exists in this. Oh, to be honest with you, there's right. no fucking way you can connect the dots between what occurs in Freddy's dead and this. So really then in the canon of Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's dead is set way in the future, like beyond 2003. It's it's when space travel is common. Okay. It's taking place on Earth 2 in Jason X. <laughs> <gasps> That's it. It's, I believe it's where it. Jason lands it. at the end of Jason X. Mm-hmm. That's where Freddy's dead Spoiler happens. alert, by the time this episode drops, we've already dropped our episode, but we are totally dropping a Jason X episode next week. <laughs> um, I love you guys. I think you're insanely funny. I enjoy your presence. Oh, you're not even going to listen to it, are you? <laughs> Okay, no. well, we name drop you two, so fuck y'all. <laughs> no, bitch, I, I, I listened to your episodes on Jason X. I know you don't like that movie, and I cannot imagine stretching that movie out for as long no. as y'all did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that, that nearly decision. broke us. You guys sounded <laughs> so sad by the end of it. <laughs> our poor, our we poor have a guest, guest for that. He was, just like, he was just like, what? It's funny. <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> But the nipples, Poor they Andrew won't Schwartz stay on, is they holding our hand past the, the finish line at the end of that just because we, we can't make another step. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had to be dragged across the finish line for yes. that one. Um, fuck you, Linderman. <laughs> Women wear makeup. Get over it. Oh, I will say that the transition to this rave scene, though, it has this camera work that I hate. I think it's supposed to represent, like, being ro- like rolling, like, being on ecstasy or molly. But, like... It's this like blur effect, and I mm-hmm. fucking mm-hmm. hate it. It's um, it's the same effect used on the zombies in Resident Evil Apocalypse, and that's also a reason why I hate that movie. It's terrible. It's a cheap effect, and it looks like garbage. It looks like every horror movie that's ever been on sci-fi. It's like, ooh, ooh we can't afford this bear that attacks everybody. Put this motion blur on it, yeah. and don't show it very motion much. Motion blur, it's very cheap. Go. Yeah. Um. I, <laughs> So uh, Gibbs is distraught. We hear that already Freddy Krueger's name is broken loose in the populace. Uh, We have the one uh, druggy kid who immediately uh, right in front of her is like, oh, yeah, they found him and his guts were everywhere. And so she's uh, terribly distraught. She wanders into the corn and passes out immediately, (laughs) immediately. Uh, she is confronted by her dead boyfriend, who immediately uses babe. So he, you know he's a bad guy. <laughs> Wait, does no one say babe? Uh, babe. Uh, babe, we kind of figured out in, in the last episode, is uh, a very popular trick to make someone sound like an asshole. Yeah. Mm. It's like some weird code that like that like sound it always sounds insincere. Mm-hmm. There's actually a running Babe. joke about it in that new Netflix series. I am not okay with this. Huh. No. I'm into it already. Plug. Yeah. Um hmm. 
I'm, Joe I'm coming for that Netflix we- money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can we briefly talk about Gibbs? Because the reason that I asked to be on this episode and I dragged Trace along with me. I is- didn't drag me. I was just surprised that you picked this segment as opposed to the one with Faggot. Yes. It's because I wanted to talk about Catherine Isabel because I feel like she doesn't get any credit for this particular movie. Like, people talk about her fake boobs. Uh, Nobody talks about the fact that she's channeling PJ Souls throughout this movie. Yeah. Oh, with the baseball cap? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. But I just think she's kind of a tragic figure hidden in this not great campy movie. You're going to add depth to this? Yes, I'm going to suggest it because Catherine Isabel warrants it. She's the only she's the only one that is genuinely acting like someone died. Well, no, she's her character is behaving like someone would. She's still in shock. You know, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like she 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 has not processed yet what's happening, even though it's a douchebag because she was in an abusive relationship, maybe yes. not physically, but it was emotionally. And then he died, and so it's not only the fact of like losing your abuser, which should I'm not gonna comment on. You know, well, I don't whatever. think it works this quickly. Like the next day, you're not gonna be right. recovered from an abusive. Well, but. She saw his body, like she found his body. So e- even if it was a stranger that you found folded in half in a mattress, you're still going to go yeah. through some shock, you know? So I, I get what you're saying. The mm-hmm. movie doesn't really do her justice. No, no. And and I but think she that's... is giving a real performance in an unreal movie. Yeah. Like I, I spent a lot of the time on this rewatch thinking, you know, Catherine Isabel has so much more screen presence. Like, this is right around the time that they were making the three Ginger Snaps movies. Like, the mm-hmm. first Ginger Snaps movie had already come out. The other two would be released the next year after this. And all I can think of is how much better the movie would be if someone like Gibbs and Catherine Isabel had been our main character where she was allowed right. to actually emote and do things and not act like Monica Keenan. Sorry. It would have been much more in fitting with a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, whereas Monica Kina seems to come out of some of the latter day Friday um, the Thirteenth. Okay, films. I'm, I, I'm sorry. Before we continue with Gibbs, though, I do want to point out. So when because Will shows up and her line delivery of "Where have you been, Will?" <laughs> and but then he's like, "Well, four years ago, I thought I saw." And then Kelly Rowland interrupts them and goes, "Let's go dance." Okay. No follow he, up. <laughs> he thinks that he saw her dad kill her mom and lets Kia interrupt them and doesn't just say, wait, wait, wait. I need to say Let me this finish really this quick. Sentence. Yeah. Just before we boogie, I just want to <laughs> say out and out, um, I kind of saw your dad murder your mom. Yeah. Anyways, I like this song too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me get you a beer. I think you're probably going to need one after that information drop. Uh, yeah, Kia is the worst friend. Terrible. Again, Kelly Rowland is not being done any favors here. She's being done what she was asked to do. What she was asked to do kind of sucks. Yeah. And also, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't say it, but there's a really awkward exchange between her and Linderman. So she calls him a bedwetter, and then he retorts by saying some line about how the makeup weighs her head down. But yeah. he also, when he first comes over and Lori asks him why his clothes are wet, he says, oh, all of those primates over there were making me drink with them. And on the word primate, the edit of the film cuts 
literally to uh, Kelly Rowland. And I, I think it's really icky because there's a lot of racial connotations just in that one little edit. Roseanne edited yeah. this. Didn't you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by Trump, edited by Roseanne. Yeah. <laughs> No, but wouldn't you, put it past them. You mentioned that earlier. And I, I looked. I looked for it because I don't remember that. And you, you're totally right. He he says something about oh oh I was um hanging around the lower level primates and yeah you're right. On and it primates, literally cuts to boom, her face. And you're just like Kelly <laughs> that is not okay. As if the audience <laughs> needed to be reminded Kelly Rowland was in the scene. Like we figured it out. I mean, She's I don't think it was intentional. I I I don't think it was intentional, but it definitely like looking again i wouldn't i've never noticed that in the 20 plus times i've seen this movie but oh yeah it, it, it it's awkward yeah but now now that we're seeing it it's i just feel like someone someone at new line was kind of asleep at this particular switch it's just like yeah. shit's kind of fallen free here and no one gave it a second pass they're just like they had to hit a, a release date, and they're like, oh, "We don't have a, a take two. Let's just do it." Right? You know, much like much like Kelly Rowland uttering a gay slur. Yeah, it's like, well, we just have to hope that people won't complain. Yeah, people yeah. will be really excited to see the violence, and nobody's going to talk about the dialogue or the way it's edited or the performance that our lead actress is giving. <laughs> Where well, they didn't been, see us coming. Where? <laughs> I'm just hanging out here on the hood of a car, pretending I'm in a Kelly Rowland's Destiny's Child just music video. Drink your juice, Shelby. Just drink your juice. <laughs> All right, let's get to poor Catherine Isabel's death. Yeah. Slash um, yeah. yeah. Okay. This whole mm, why? This, there's a why does this need to be in thing. here? I don't. I don't know. There, but there is a good part here, which is everything in the barn of doom slash boiler room in a corn maze mm-hmm, yeah that is an okay sequence mm-hmm. it's just happens to be surrounded by what is basically a date rape joke yep and yes. i someone again at new line is a little bit asleep because i promise you this was in the script this was something they thought was genuinely okay oh yeah because they so, just want to set up a get bunk joke. yes thank you Thank you. Wait, I, <laughs> who would who would do that? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to play dumb. Joke what does get bunk mean? Wow. Trace, you <laughs> listen to the podcast, do you? <laughs> it's oh. anytime somebody, yeah. it's anytime two people get killed in a single motion by Jason. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. So that's like a Friday 2 reference. Yes. Okay. Um, but get, get bunk can also apply to anyone who's killed through something. Right. And a reversed get bunk can it be someone who's killed and then the motion of that implement goes through something else. Mm, apparently it happens all the time. <laughs> so, yes, it's a very much a Friday the 13th thing. Why is the rubber, why is the Freddy face through the wall so much better here oh. in that boy the room scene and so fucking terrible in the remake? I actually, well, I was so impressed with how good it looks here. I, it looks great. I agree. And it's the, it's the sound effect, though, of the steel. Because obviously it's fucking like, you know, mushy thing. rubber yeah. yeah but the sound effect works whereas yeah that that remake it's just pure i'm not even gonna say cgi i think it's hand-drawn cartoon <laughs> <laughs> like if goofy showed up it wouldn't be out of place mm-hmm. but it, it's yeah. it's a really really good effect i mean yeah this whole sequence and even when england comes in and he's got the finger knives like tap it on the rail mm-hmm. it's really well done 
Well, this feels like the most direct homage that they're making. Like there's, there's a bunch of different efforts to make callbacks to both franchises, but this one feels very much like let's go back. Let's study the original Freddy Krueger introduction with Tina and let's try to duplicate that. Or is it with Nancy? And and I think it's relatively successful because they picked an actress whom you care about and you don't want to see harmed. And as a result, it's a very nice kind of Tina flashback to the first film. Well, it's, it's well edited. It's well constructed. I mean, I, I, yeah. When I saw this, I had never heard of Ginger Snap. So I didn't know Catherine Isabel. So I just thought she was like the random slutty like, girl generic character girl. in the movie. Yeah. yeah but like, mm. obviously now I'm like, oh, it's the Catherine Isabel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do think they're, they, they picked her specifically to give her the sort of remorseful, lost character so that when she is killed this early off, you're like, oh, no, not her. She's been through a lot. Yeah. yeah. And then they overdo it by going, oh, and by the way, at the same time, there's this perv who's covered in glow sticks. glow sticks. Glow sticks. And like a blinking necklace one, like you get at children's birthday parties. <laughs> I, mm, you, yeah, I mm. guess. Uh, I, I haven't handed one out in nine birthdays, but I, I'll believe like I've handed out blinking shit. Sure. I mean, I've never been to a rave before, but I'm sure they're commonplace. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have a been to a rave and B, it was <gasps> not dissimilar to how some of these people dressed. It was a lot of like 80, 80 size flare jeans. And I don't mean like 80. That was the 90s, the decade. right? This was the 90s. Everything yes. about this movie says 90s to me, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's frozen in amber. It really <laughs> is. It, it never progressed into 2003. Yeah. It's just something that happened. Richard uh, Attenborough is coming out. Whether it's by like, design yes. or no one in, involved in the production has progressed as human beings. <laughs> um. So, yeah, poor, poor Gibbs is... Uh, is killed, uh, and, and we think she's going to get it from Freddy, uh, who's doing a nice upside-down trick. Uh, but it turns out uh, Jason, of course, knows your fuck style, even if your fuck style is to date-rape somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he manages to get bunk both uh, <laughs> the rave rapist and Gibbs. And I love that he Jason's flings the rave rapist like, oh, like, like, like he's flicking something off a spoon. I think that was probably he's their catapulted. justification for keeping it in is that, oh, well, the rapist gets the worst of it, you know? Yeah. And it's funny. Ha ha. Now, I want to rewind just a tiny, tiny bit because I've always said this part was really, really funny is whenever Freddie's taunting Gibbs and she falls over the rail and he just goes, oh. Uh, yeah like, <laughs> that's not supposed to happen I, i've always thought that was really funny like it's such a great like it's good comedic timing with the editing and england's like, just delivery of it yeah and it's a nice physical stunt there whoever the stunt person is who takes that fall for Catherine is yeah. isabel like, ronnie you was like just do it <laughs> <laughs> we don't She's have international insurance <laughs> <laughs> that's right oh, yeah when she hits God. that locker um, it hurts yeah any final thoughts about uh freddy versus jason it it's a movie (laughs) (laughs) it sure is it it was put on film and it went to theaters 
It was projected mm-hmm. onto a screen. And people saw no, it. No, it's it was filmed at 24 frames per second to give the illusion of movement <laughs> that's inherent in it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think it's aged at all well. Wait, I did y'all like if- it when it came out? I don't think y'all even said that. Did you like it when it came out? <sighs> I you know, <laughs> I think funny. I saw I think I saw it like a while after it came out, and I was just like, eh, I guess. I my hopes were built up from Bride of Chucky because I mm-hmm. very much enjoyed that. And that film. movie does and hold I, up. Oh, that yeah. movie hold that movie feels like of a voice. Mm-hmm. And what is missing here is a very consistent tone and voice. It feels like we'll just get these people who kind of know what they're doing and they'll just do something where it looks like they know what they're doing. Right. And it turns out it is the former rather than the latter. Yeah. This also feels like it's more driven by the set pieces and then they work really hard to try to shoehorn people in. So like you you're like okay, well we need to deliver this exposition, so let's introduce Mark. We've got, you know, we need to have a a heterosexual happy ending, so we need a will. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. It uh it feels like it was designed by committee and also very much how do we just make Jason and Freddy fight. But I think that we can agree that, that given the development hell this movie went through, well, I was going to say it's kind of cool. It's it's admirable that they even got this out. But then it's also like, out of what, 10 years of development hell, this is what you settled on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember at some point they were going to talk about trying to you know, push Ash into it? Yeah. yeah. That and was apparently Pinhead was also considered at one point. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which I that know. I don't think those tones would have Ash no. maybe, but Ash Pinhead, maybe. The, the, no. the the tone of Pinhead would not have meshed with this at all. Yeah, yeah I don't need I don't need weird sex in my in my uh, Friday Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Can you imagine how much disdain Pinhead would have for Jason? You <laughs> are sexually immature. I have no time for you. <laughs> Do I look like someone who cares what? your mother thinks <laughs> honestly i think you need to see a therapist i generally poo poo it but i think maybe for you i'll allow it Ooh, but you could do some fun things and mrs Voorhees is corpse he'd like pull her up and just like puppet her or something god you mean like what happens in this movie <laughs> yeah yep. I'm just on- like that <laughs> i'm i'm honestly shocked yeah like when you think about this film and jason access films that were in development hell that people were so looking forward to and then what we actually ended up getting like <laughs> oh bad ideas maybe that should have been left on the table mm-hmm. yeah yeah i believe it all right well i mean i do a choose your own death venture but both the people who die here die the exact same way so w- would you rather uh die on the ground or be ca- catapulted into the air is what we're left with. I would like to spray blood onto Freddy Krueger's face. So I will go with the Gibbs death. So you're going for a facial. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Thank oh you for that, Patrick. <laughs> and as, done and done. as anyone who listens to our podcast knows, I have quite a thing for facials. So yes. I will totally go for Gibbs's death. Also, it just seems like it's more peaceful. You know, you're already lying there prepped and ready to go. And then boom, just dead. So I'm good. Yeah. I mean, she was frightened in her dreams, but she didn't really feel her death death. So no, but to shoot a load over Freddy's face, totally into it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can top that, Gina. 
Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, as much as I enjoy a good glow stick, I also I do not enjoy raping people. So <laughs> I I, uh, yeah. I will have to, by, by default, I'm just going to go with Gibbs' death. Oh, you listen, as much fun as I would have being thrown through the air, because I think that is just delightful. There's no way I'm going to put on that outfit, and I'm certainly not going to have that hairdo. And if I'm going to have glow sticks, I'm going to crack them open so they actually fucking glow, not just sit there inert like people who don't understand how fucking glow sticks works. So, no, I'm taking Gibbs' death. Done and done. So, before we go, uh, Joe and Trace... Uh, please tell our audience who should already know by now, but just remind them where they can find you and what you guys do. All right. Well, we have a podcast called Horror Queers. You can find us on the Twitters at Horror Queers. And we release a new episode every Wednesday that is either on a queer film or a film that has queer elements. And Trace talks about his sexual proclivities a lot. (laughs) Okay. And yeah. Yeah, top that, bitch. <laughs> Welcome to my world, bitch. <laughs> but also find Leak. us everywhere on Horror Queers, except for Instagram. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we're on all those podcatchers. That's fun, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, there's a helicopter going over us. Uh, week after week, Teen Witch has been brought up on this podcast. Nice. And now we finally have gotten that. to top that bitch. <laughs> so I think it's a bit of destiny. <laughs> Um, so Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I, I write for the spool. That's the spool.net. I have my own website at Gina And I too am on Twitter under porcelain seven, two. Excellent. Check it out today. People, of course you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and please rate and review us on iTunes. We have uh, a podcast review right here. Uh, five stars, uh, from, uh, uh, Gavidra. Uh, see, it's impossible to uh, pronounce these names properly because they, they give you no clue as to whether or not they're a real moniker or not. Uh, I love the show. Great hosts that both have extremely quick wits. So I'm not sure she's listening to ours, but I'll, I'll uh, Gina for sure. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, thank, thank you for quickly correcting that. <laughs> Come on, Gina, you needed to be quicker on it. <laughs> I was testing you. Their movie selection is top notch, which again I think is doubtful. So and their roundtable of guest hosts are great. Oh my god, thank you. That everything that wasn't pointing to me, one hundred percent correct. <laughs> um, so thank you very much for that. Uh, of course, a rating and review podcast. You've heard it elsewhere. That's how we're seen and heard by more people. So get into it, people. Make it happen. Uh, we have all sorts of Patreon episodes to check out. We'll have one in the middle of the month somewhere <laughs> when I'm not drowning in writing assignments. We don't know what's going to be yet, but it'll be good. Just, just, it'll be fantastic. Just, just be rest assured that it'll, it'll be good. Just, yeah, hold on, because it's going to be a banger. Uh, and so don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. We're going to continue on with Freddy versus Jason, despite all of our best efforts, <laughs> uh, with a fantastic guest. So... Until then, for myself, for Gina, for Joe, for Trace, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.